I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. fucking mark twain shit because it's definitely getting chisel on your tombstone hello everybody and thank you for listening to who will survive horror podcast this is another one of our bonus episodes where marco and i are joined by somebody from the the filmmaking world to discuss some of their properties and i had already said his name so what's going on marco i'm good how are you i'm good i'm good and good uh, i'm ready for this and i know that the timing will be a little bit off from this but um, as as of the, the day that we're recording this, this is the day before our first episode released one year ago. So it's our, right. our one day before our one year anniversary. It's our anniversary <laughs> eve show. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Which we are going to do something tomorrow as well. We're going to celebrate our anniversary together. <laughs> By talking about each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. All right. But we're not here to talk about ourselves tonight. No. We're here to talk about a writer and director whose movie I had, one of his movies I saw last year and then now had seen his other film, and that is Chris Peckover. What's going on? Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, good, good. Welcome. Yeah, so I I had discovered you because of Better Watch Out, which had come to to Shudder last year, Mm -hmm. and just through the exposure to that, then I like to kind of look up, hey, what else have people done and, and... go back and check out some of your previous movies. So then I found that you had done another movie, which was also very good, very different, but uh, you yeah. know, a great movie too. So um, how how did you get into making feature length stuff originally? Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because the fact that you saw Better Watch Out than Undocumented Next, I part yeah. of me is like, oh, you poor guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because it's it's definitely a bit more of a shock to the system. Um, how did I get sure. into features? Yeah. Um, I I pulled something really sneaky. A lot of people ask like how to get into the industry, and the the answer is always whatever worked for everyone else won't work for you. So you just have to find your own way, and it's awful, <laughs> and you have to you have to force your own birth, and it's miserable. Mm-hmm. But my I, I I made a very calculated move, and it completely worked. So if anyone wants to try this. maybe it works for you um so i was coming right out of college and thinking about doing film school except i was dirt poor and the idea of spending like eighty thousand dollars on film school was terrifying Mm because i I already had a lot of debt from college and um i had just been asking a lot of people like hey is it worth it to go to a directing program is it worth it to go to a writing program and pretty much everyone who had gone said definitively, don't do it. Just like save your money and go 
start PAing on sets and start meeting people that way and start writing every night and, mm -hmm. and get a job that allows you the time. So I, I didn't do that. Then I found out about this program at, at <laughs> USC called the, um, the Peter Stark Producing Program. And it's for people who want to be producers. And it's a tiny, tiny program. There's, they only accept like 26 people a year. And it's not like professors saying like, here's how you produce. They actually just find a really wide variety of, of people in the industry and convince them to teach a class for a semester. Hmm. So like I had an agent at uh, Paradigm teaching a class about how to be an agent and, and how agents you know, relate to producers. We had a line producer showing you how to, uh, how to budget and schedule a low budget film, a mid range film, a studio film. We had, um, there's, there's a gentleman at Fox called, uh, his name's Hutch Parker. He at the time was the president of production at Fox and his wife, um, taught a class and Hutch would always come in and like bring famous directors in and be like, Hey, so this is how we run the studio. And it was just really a, this amazing experience, but B, I had no interest in producing. I was being sneaky. My thought was I'll learn about what the industry wants and how it works. Um, and also I'll graduate with 25 people who do want to be producers. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. so the first thing I learned at the time in when I graduated in 06 was like, you know, I love comedy, I love sci-fi, I love horror, but I zeroed in on horror because that was apparently like dollar for dollar the the most successful genre at the time. And, and I guess it's gotten even more so now. Um, yeah. yeah, big time. And uh, my first film was produced by uh, a guy in the class above me uh, by the name of Keith Calder. Um, and he he also produced a lot of Adam Weingard's movies, like he did oh, Your Next and so on. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and my second film, Better Watch Out, was produced by one of my classmates at Stark. So I really, really sneakily actually kind of that, that plan worked. Nice. Um, you know, it's now 12 years later and I've, I've made two films, but you know yeah. what? It's only been 12 years later. I made two films. I actually consider myself pretty lucky and things are, yeah. <laughs> things are finally hopefully going a little bit faster now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's I mean is that is that a good answer? That's how I got. Oh it. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's definitely one of the different answers that we've that we've come across. You know, like you said, you know, the the traditional route, or someone takes advice and they go through whatever training or school, and or they just get a job in the industry, doing whatever, and they just kind of work their way up. And you're like, ah, that's cool. I'm gonna do it this way. So <laughs> definitely different. I mean, that's the one thing that we've learned about, you know, like I said, doing the interviews, there's, there's really not one way of doing it. Like you said, this might work for you, might not sure, work for sure. somebody else that's trying to do it. And man, that, that that's, uh, no, it's cool. It's, um, you know, you, you inserted yourself in, uh, in, um, like, oh, I don't have to go find producers because mm -hmm. I'm they're all here I'm now, but I'm a director really in a producer school. Well, everyone, right. everyone inherently was curious to work with me because when we were having to do those terrible soundless shorts in in uh mm -hmm. you know the, the the classes mine were always really good because i yeah, yeah. so all you know like my, when my classmate brought <laughs> me a script i was like damn right you're bringing me a script and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, was, <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> sure yeah uh, did you do any other work in between like um i know some guys work on commercials or some guys will sell 
scripts or anything like that? Did you do any of that type of stuff to, to fill in that maybe you're not necessarily credited for, but no, I, I am, um, actually about to have my first meeting with, a an, an ad agency next week. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, like, uh, what do they say? Like film is a hobby. TV is a career. Um, right. Right. Um, you know, I've just been doing film at the moment and you know, it's, it's, uh, I definitely have to do other jobs and I, I've, I'm finally cracking the whip and, and, and talking to some people about maybe directing some commercials to keep myself afloat between the films. Good. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard of guys doing that or, or selling scripts or selling pilots and stuff like that too, just to kind of uh, keep the lights on videos too. Yeah. yeah music videos. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do write. I hate it. It's the most <laughs> painful process on the face sure, of the sure. earth. Every sure. time people give all the credit to the director, I'm like, you guys, you guys are fooling yourselves. Yeah, the writers, I hear you. The writer goes through ten times more pain than the director does. Oh yeah. Um, and then if you're both but, people, then it really sucks. Yeah. So the idea of writing a script and then letting someone else direct it is just. It's like nails down a chalkboard for me, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, yeah, I'm no, so I hear you. <laughs> right. Sure, sure. That was actually how I got undocumented made was I, I sold the script to Keith and he was like, mm-hmm. all your shorts are comedies. This is like a really yeah. like brutal, emotionally brutal horror film. Mm-hmm. This is and, not funny. Yeah. 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 This, there's, there's actually, it's funny. The more, if, if you can actually, sit through it multiple times there's a you, you can see the seeds of my dark humor that <laughs> would eventually show up in better watch out like the uh maybe not watch the whole thing but like watch watch the the scene where one of the bad guys is giving a tour of the place yes yes my absolutely. editor and i were cracking up so much it's such it's such awful humor but it's it's very sure, gallows sure. humor. It's, yeah yeah no i funny. had i found myself kind of more relaxed like i was watching you because know, it's when we get into it, it's a a pretty dark subject you know and and kind of uh real abusive you know just uh, like horror in real life you know this stuff probably does happen whatever and that kind of put me at ease just a little bit that uh that tour that scene that you're talking about and um i appreciate it a lot more because then it ramped up at you know was then it got back into the the dark stuff again but no i i hear i understand exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. it was it was a brief respite yeah right, right. so yeah keith keith was like you haven't really done anything dark or dismal so in my in my like screenplay sale contract we put in a clause that said that they would finance like a really small director's test mm-hmm. um so at the time, because found for, like I, I, I sold them the script in 2007. It was a year after I graduated from Stark, okay. and so found footage actually hadn't started yet. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like a bunch of people all had the same idea at the same time. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the time, we were like, well, if this is found footage, we can't let people know that this movie is going to exist yet. So I had to write an entirely new little three-minute short that had the feeling of the movie without actually giving away any of the plot. Like all the character names were different and everything. Mm-hmm. And we shot that. And, uh, in like February, 2008, I right. handed them like this really polished three minute scene and they watched it. I thought there was going to be some, some weeks of deliberation or something. They just went to their office and came out three minutes later. And they're like, all right, you got the job. Sure, sure. <laughs> That was horrifying. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I was I was just gonna ask. Now, did you? 
almost like a bittersweet moment. Like, yes, oh shit, I got to do this now because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was um, blissfully naive and revving uh-huh. to. Yeah. I was I was pretty young. I uh, I sold the script to them when I was twenty five. Nice. We didn't even. We it took us two years to actually shoot the film. So I I was twenty seven by the time we shot. But um, I was like you know like a young let's let's smash everyone in the face with a hammer horror mm-hmm. director. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean I, you guys can be the judge about whether. That... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. 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 So why don't we uh, we can we can get back into more personal stuff later? But since we're kind of already talking about this, I'm I'm eager to kind of go down this road. Uh, what was sort of the influence of of making this movie? I know that you I, I had seen a, a couple of things you posted about how you didn't necessarily make this movie just because you were like, oh, this is a thing that's popular to make a movie right. about. Like this was actually important to you. Yeah. Uh, what is I, your so- connection to the story? There's two connections. I grew up in Texas as a foreigner because I'm Canadian. Okay. And there was, I just always thought there was this really weird, I'd never seen this type of line before where there's this line between patriotism and racism. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and you know, like I, I luckily had not gotten the brunt of that because I was white. And, sure. Right. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. We'll get into it, but like straight acting. So I didn't, uh, you know, I, I I was more observational, but Dallas was such a weird place to grow up in because you know, like, there's this pretty hardcore segregation um, with African Americans and whites, but also like there's like this very odd abusive relationship with with, with Latino Americans. So yeah, that had always been something wheedling in my head. And then another thing is, um, I had a job at Google for a year right out of. USC just to kind of <laughs> I was about to say make ends meet but Google's a, a cool place to live uh, to work mm-hmm. and yeah. um, at, that year was the year that uh, Google had acquired YouTube okay and okay. Um, so I was in the department where like videos would get flagged and uh, we'd have to decide if the videos should get pulled down or not so I was exposed to like the most extreme videos that people were <laughs> well, posting damn. on YouTube. That's a rough job. Fun. Um, yeah. I, I had a, uh, a list, like an email list where every week I'd be like, all right guys, here's the videos that are going to get pulled down. Here's the funny ones. Here's the horrifying ones. Here's the weird ones. And right. this list grew and grew and grew. I remember the, the list got to like several thousand people wanting to watch these by the end of it. But there was, <laughs> one, there was one video I saw that was just, absolutely it, it took my breath away um some someone had attached their camera to a scope on the side of uh a uh, an ar-15 and the scope was looking past the border wall to the mexican side and wow. it was of of the border and it was desert and there were like i guess in the desert on the mexican side they have these big tanks of water for people who mm-hmm maybe parched and so there was this you know like smattering of people heading towards the border from the mexican side and the gun starts shooting at them and they like dive behind the water tanks and you hear whoever's holding the gun being like or whoever's watching the guy shooting being like dang you missed him oh boy jesus and i just I, i remember my teeth 
almost snapping from the pressure of keeping my job bitten down. And um, yeah. I I was friends with two uh, guys who had, had illegally crossed when they were kids. And I just started asking them about their experience. And one of them had an experience of being in the back of a U-Haul and getting separated from his parents for two weeks because there were two safe houses and they just oh, didn't shit. even ask. They just shoved half the people out and kept going. Mm-hmm. And I just started doing research. I, I pretended like I was still a student at USC and I uh, actually got in contact with the head of the Minuteman organization mm-hmm. um, and pretended like I was a really big fan. And I was interviewing him and you know, for, for my for my school newspaper. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and, uh, his name is, I forget his first name, something Gilchrist. Um, John Gilchrist, Jeff Gilchrist, something like that. And uh, he was just, he, he started giving away stuff that he probably should not have given away because he was a proud asshole. And right, right. I just, I was soaking all that stuff up. And I eventually um, came up with the idea of, of doing a found footage story involving, you know, illegal immigrants trying to cross the U.S. and some, some like, you know, American patriots catching them. Sure. Um, I did found footage. Now in high, so okay, let's. I, I'm I, I have this love hate relationship with a, a document where I'm very proud of it, but mm-hmm. I'm also aware of why I wasn't suddenly called the next Spielberg after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 interesting, and my observation is kind of held since then. It was a, so for anyone who no one's going to do found footage anymore, but at the time. <laughs> My pitch, I pitched this to three different companies and all three companies were like, if you write it, that will buy it. Because I said, basically, what if you did the Blair Witch Project, except with something actually believable and right. timely mm-hmm. with a big enough budget where you could make it like sing. Um, and I, I told them about this illegal immigrant idea and everyone said yes. So in hindsight, found footage works best with things that aren't believable because there's it's that's the reason you'll never see a war movie that's found footage mm. um, because okay. things that are already realistic put through the lens of found footage becomes like a uh, traumatic traumatic right. level so right, that, right you know i was trying to make the most punch punch america in the gut and pay attention to this subject because it it, it matters right. i was trying to, i was trying to hammer people as hard as i could sure sure but with the with the added context of a a genre that literally makes it feel more real, mm-hmm. and so you know, for better or worse, the movie is completely brutal in a realistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I, I I love movies that do that. I you know, like I one of the films that made me want to be a filmmaker was Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of learned very quickly that a lot of audiences you know, um, don't like being rattled like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It could be divisive to go that route. I, I definitely feel. Yeah. And further to another, another lesson I learned is, um, listen, I, I will always want to do movies that have something to say. I can't help it. I, mm-hmm, I, sure. I, I get bored by just popcorn fluff. Right, um, right. But another lesson I learned is whatever you want to say, you can't play it on the surface. You have to put it below the surface. Right. Okay. Because another issue that arose was before the movie had even been released, people were already giving it negative reviews, being like, oh, this is just liberal propaganda. Oh, you know, right, right. You know, like, 
you know, this this is just Hollywood trying to trying to you know push us <laughs> away. So you know that that's why I look at movies like American Beauty, which was really a film about um, you know like the the bad stuff that happens when when gay people repress themselves, but right. you never knew it watching it until there were hints of it near the end. Yes, right. yeah, yeah. You know, so that's kind of how I shifted gears when I did Better Watch Out, where I I I had a nice big chewy conversation in there, but while you're watching it, you're just entertained. Hopefully. Sure. And and then if you happen to notice what's going on beneath the surface, Yahoo, but it doesn't it doesn't make you feel like you're being preached to. Sure. Right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. What was the actual location of where you had made undocumented? We shot an undocumented in Santa Fe. Um, <laughs> hilariously, <laughs> we shot uh, so summer two thousand nine. Okay. Um, and we we had to be careful at night. We couldn't shoot in one direction because at the time they were also shooting Thor, okay. um, and they were <laughs> shooting day scenes at night. So they'd have these giant, massive, like oh, football shit. field sized balloons lighting the ground so it was actually daytime looking even at night right so on all of our ex- like nighttime exterior scenes we had to like avoid shoot- shooting in a certain <laughs> direction because you'd see this giant like is that a is that a mushroom cloud going off what's going on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty and funny the other, the other funny thing about it is because obviously all the the you know like top tier crew members were shooting thor my entire crew was like youngins mm-hmm. uh, which weirdly uh ended up benefiting us because you know usually on a first-time filmmaker i don't know if you've ever spoken like brian bertino or any of his horror stories of the the older crew being like who's this no, director? No. right you know like all all my crew were either from la and i'd already known them for a while or they're all like my age sure and so everyone fell into line and there was there was zero, um, like it was, it was the most co- cooperative, easy to work with crew I've ever worked with because, mm-hmm. because no one, no one knew to have a, an ego yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody awesome. still had that, that, uh, sparkle in their eye that they're amazed that they're doing this, you know, making a movie and not, not, um, <laughs> like you, oh, like you said, you know, yeah. the old, yeah. the old union guys are there at eight o'clock. I'm out. Yeah, we were we were probably a little bit slower because we were less experienced, but there was sure. so much heart. It was, mm-hmm. it yeah. was just, yeah, which which was helpful because you know everyone on set knew it was a dark film, and so having all these bright eyed, bushy tailed crew members <laughs> certainly right. certainly kept it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right now, I I like that you added the extra element of it to make it sort of a fiction. At least I hope that. You know, that there's this massively organized group of these radical racist rebels mm-hmm. that are doing all this terrible stuff and, and punishing people and torturing them and, and murdering children and all kinds of fucked up shit that's going on with them. But, you know, instead of just being straightforward where it was it was just a documentary, you added some element of right. fiction to it where it's like a, a, a step above what normally you would expect. Like, you know, normally you expect the guy with, with his friend in the camera and the AR-15 and they're just shooting at random Mexican people, right. not necessarily having a whole compound and, and money and means to torture these people and stuff like they do. So, Well, yeah, there's also that, that line at the beginning or that, that, um, that text at the beginning, you know, it's like, 
so many million people cross the border each year and you know these are returned but then there's that percent or there's a number that are never heard from again mm-hmm. and that and then you see the film and you're like well shit man this is you know i wouldn't put it past as something like this is actually happening you know it just oh i i yeah. can outright say i've had um dozens of latino viewers mm. approach me afterward after seeing the film and being like this this was this this happens this stuff oh, no happens. Shit. yeah yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, not, yeah. Maybe not on such an organized level, but like, right, right. I, I, I know this happens. So, and you're, it, you're right, like that patriotism and racism kind of thing, where it's just, you know, yeah, it's yeah. In, in today's climate too. You know, not to get like overly political, but like in today's climate, this this movie is very important to watch. It's and, gotten worse. I yeah, I didn't, yeah. I yeah. could yeah. not have predicted that this topic would have gotten so weird oh, and realistic no. as it sure, sure. Well, and that's it. Reminds me of the. More recent movie, Savage Land, which I don't Mm -hmm. know if you had seen that one, but we had talked to that guy and he was like, yeah, I made it during a a whole different thing involving Mexican illegal immigration. And then two two years later, all of this stuff with Trump happens. And now my my movie is super fucking relevant again. So, yeah. And he didn't. Yeah, it did it before the I guess. I mean, there was such a climate, but now it's just, you know, uh, exploded tenfold into this Mm -hmm. thing where. You know, like I said, I, I, you know, I live in Southern California, you know, it's, it's here. Um, it's not as, I would say as mean spirited as in Arizona and New Mexico and Texas. I think, um, I like to give my state a little bit more credit, but I'm, you know, I've heard horror stories myself, you know, um, where I think it hits home in a lot of places, especially like living in this climate too. My, my ex-wife was Salvadorian and she is an anchor baby. She came in, or her mom came here in the trunk of a car, pregnant with her. Oh, you sure. know, um, yeah, and you know, and, uh, and and you know, and I heard all kinds of stories of how that happened, but that was, you know, that was in the seventies or sixties and and or seventies, and it was still a very rough, but not known. You know what I mean? It's like because we mm-hmm. didn't have all this social media and we didn't have all these things. We had actually newspapers. Um, you know, it wasn't as exposed, and I guess like people want to say. Or I wanted to say, you know, it was more of a fictional thing before, but now when we see it on the news every day today and, and we have people at the top, you know, preaching it, it's right. it's ugly. Yeah. At the same time, I'm glad this movie exists at the same time. Yes, entertaining. Yes, it's a horror film, but it's also got this undertoning, careful, like, God damn, you know, we're, we're in trouble, <laughs> you know, at the same time. I'll say when, when Trump started separating, like, parents from their kids, I was like, yeah. Uh, because I remember, you, you know, like, I don't want to ruin the scene, but, like, sure, sure. one of our predictions was, like, what's the most dehumanizing thing you can do to people? Yeah. It's, it's separate their kids from their, their parents. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, oof. Yeah. I, I couldn't yeah, even imagine it. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah. For, for, for better or worse, uh, a lot of people are rediscovering the movie right now, and mm-hmm. it's it's nice that the conversation is getting treated seriously because Absolutely. Like, I thought it was bad in 2009. Like, I guess, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe that was just from being from Texas or something. I don't know. But like, it's, well, like it's been, it's always been there, but never at this level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause, um, you know, like I said, growing up in Southern California where I've lived now, but I've lived down in, you know, towards Jerry and stuff, but uh, it's always there. We always had that, that notion, right. you know, illegal immigrants were just living among us. And it wasn't this where they were so demonized to the point where, you know, you know, 
we hear mm-hmm. stories, like you said, with, with the YouTube videos, people actually shooting across the border, which I'm sure has happened. You know, that's like one of many accounts and it's very disturbing. And uh, like I said, you know, mm-hmm. the conversation has to continue and we have to get better as a as as a human species. You know? Yeah. But sure, yeah. yeah. So anyway. No, it's it's I mean, it's something that's worth talking about for sure. sure Obviously, sure, if, sure. if you felt passionate enough to make a whole movie out of it to kind of start your career, which is also kind of a bold move, too, because mm-hmm. then you become in danger of being like the, the serious that message guy. guy right. You know? Right. So. Right. I mean, I, I, I knew I wanted to make a, a big splash. I think mm-hmm. part of it was the, the medium with which I told the message was, you know, like also by the, it's so funny when, when I pitched and sold this script in 2007, mm-hmm. found footage hadn't happened yet. By right. the time we, uh, went to our f- first festival in 2010, Everyone was already sick of found footage. Found, I don't know if you guys remember, <laughs> found footage folded over in like a year and a half, and everyone was already sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so kind like of almost that. bounced back a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it kind of comes and goes, I feel like. Well, and it, yeah. you know, with, with yours, this like mockumentary style, or, or maybe not mockumentary, but faux documentary type of thing where is it's multiple cameras and so you get a little more production value i think is is yeah. the better route to go as opposed to just the single shaky cam exactly so you know if if this had come out last year or this year i, I wonder if it would have been a different story but it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the right time for the movie in 2010 and mm-hmm. but I, I i stand both proudly by it but also i'm like thank you because i, I learned a lot from it and that kind of set <laughs> me up for what yes. what was to come Sure, sure. Uh, I think, do you have anything else that you want to ask about that one, Marco, before we move on to other movies? Oh, no. No, I think I got a great vision of, of why this film was made, how it was made. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it, it is a horror movie. And I always said, you know, it was like one of those things where this is horror in real life kind of stuff depicted as a, you know, a fictional story. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, it, it was impactful. And, I'm, and again, I, I just want to say I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it. I don't think there ever should be regrets on that. And I know you don't uh, regret right. it at all. But um, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad that we got to watch it. And I don't know, man. It, it's entertaining, but you, we should learn from it too. That's all. I, I, I'm, Of course, I want to break this movie down detail, detail, but we just don't have that time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we're here for. And yeah. uh, the only other thing I would, I would say is, um, did you have sort of a specific influence on on making it as far as the tone or or the direction or anything like that where it was maybe from some other movies or directors that you really tried to kind of pull some inspiration for that one i mean there was because when i shot it so i shot it in in summer of 2009 by then Mm -hmm. cloverfield had just come out uh december 2008 right and then i think wreck which had come out in 2000 early uh, late 2007 or early 2008 and it finally made the u.s like a year later so i'd seen right Rick, and quarantine came out and i think um while i was in post so like i actually didn't have that many like by the time cloverfield came out i wasn't learning from it i was actually being like oh jesus christ i'd have to rewrite <laughs> whole entire portions because uh, i uh-huh. had i had the same gimmick uh-huh. um you know uh, okay. like with found footage there's certain gimmicks like Right, yes. right. Oh, we're we're filming uh, in normal vision, and suddenly you turn on the night vision, and you can see those aliens coming towards them in the subway. And I had a yeah. scene exactly like that, so I had to yeah. rewrite that. And there's a scene mm-hmm. when they put the camera down, and then 
the camera slides down to a lower point on the on the tilted table surface. So like weirdly, I was like, oh god, people are gonna think I'm just stealing from Cloverfield. So I, as every <laughs> as every found footage movie came out, I was I was shifting and shifting and shifting and shifting. Sure, right. sure. That's yeah. a different so was, kind of yeah. influence. It, yeah, it was right. more like it was anti-influence. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I like that. And actually, by the time we shot, I was like, okay, found footage is happening way too quickly. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to shoot the first act with 35 millimeter. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember, but like we, we only switch over to found footage once they enter the tunnel. Yes, yeah. Um, and my, my, my feeling was... I wanted to do something like the wizard of Oz where, um, mm. you know, like it's black and white in that it's black and white. It kind of feels, uh, like a, like a regular, you know, when, when did, uh, wizard of Oz come out? That was like 1939. Yeah. So like most, most movies were black and white at that point. Um, and then when they switched to color, it's like, Oh, this is what real life feels like. So <laughs> gotcha. in, in a similar way, like Alice going into to the rabbit hole, um, literally them going into a, a drug tunnel to cross through. Mm-hmm. I want the movie to feel cinematic, and then once we switch to the documentary, it it's, it inherently feels more real. So it felt like mm-hmm. entering Wonderland in a way, or yeah, <laughs> a very yeah. very dark Wonderland. It's like bizarro um, Wonderland. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, uh, but influence wise, like there was that, and also I'm a giant fan of Man Bites Dog which was probably the only faux documentary influence I could point to. Cause that mm-hmm. also had a really charismatic bad guy right. that the movie was following. And so right, right. I, uh, when I wrote Peter Stormare's role, um, I just kept going back and forth between like the likability yet terror side of Hannibal Lecter and then yeah. the, the serial killer and, and, and the like, really awful bravado of, of the guy in man Bites dog and kind of mm-hmm. mesh characters together. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It yeah. definitely worked, man. That, that, that character is like you, you get that sense of, uh, okay, if I just go along with him and everything be fine, but he's doing these horrible things. And if you question, he just, I mean, just lashes out like a pit bull yeah. and then he's back to his, you know, somber self again. Yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was really, gr- Peter was really fun to work with because he's great at snapping back and forth between yeah. <laughs> very charming and almost like well-spoken eloquent in his, in his rendition of the character and then switching right. to like just a monster. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. He is definitely a, a, a very high quality uh, antagonist. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's like if you need that one, that one powerful character that, that kind of leads all of these sort of bumbling idiots right. to, to do his bidding, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he just has that perfect voice for it. I feel like it was so yeah. strong. And I mean, he's, he's faceless, so his voice has to do all the acting. It was fun that, uh, you know, like I was, I was, I was scared to, to ask, you know, by far the most famous person in my film, can we not ever show your face? Um, <laughs> and he, he right. loved it. He was like, absolutely. Of course, his voice is so recognizable that, yeah. you know, cinephiles are like, is that Stormare? Yep. So people, people figure it out usually, but it's still fun to uh, <laughs> for people to figure it out halfway through the movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's cool. So in order to prevent yourself from being typecast as the serious movie guy, then your next movie that you made could potentially typecast you as the holiday movie guy. 
but uh, <laughs> or, so from... actually what's been happening is the the horror comedy guy everything i get is well we'll talk about that but yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> sure yeah. uh so you your next movie that comes out then is better watch out which you know i had seen first and mm-hmm. then had the unfortunate experience of going backwards to see undocumented <laughs> as, <laughs> as you referred to it right but um yeah, so how I know this one had had an alternate title and it had gone through the the festival circuit and then ends up on Shutter. Um how did you decide that you wanted to go from that to making this movie? I mean, I didn't. I I tried to get several other films made. At one point I was developing a, a movie for Gore Verbinski's company. Um they they were on the Universal lot. It's called uh, Blind Wink. Okay. Um the reason you don't know Blind Wink is they went under because I think Gore, Gore's company was just producing his movies and Universal was like, why are we paying you all this money to produce other films if you're, we're just making your movies? Right. So like that that sank and God, I, I, I used to have, I'm not going to say who, but I used to be represented by other people who are not my current reps and they were like, well, you did really well with a, a found footage movie, so why don't we make another found footage movie? And my heart wasn't in it, and I just, yeah, you know, sure, it, it sure. Was, the the train had already left on that genre. Chronicle had even sure. already come out, so, um, so I, you know, it was more like better watch out. Um, kind of just fell in my lap, man. Sort of. Um, like I said, one of my classmates from Stark uh, brought me this script. It was called Safe Neighborhood, written by the extremely talented Zach Kahn. Um, and I'm not gonna, okay. How do I, are we, are we spoiling this movie? Uh, yeah, you can, you sure. can, you can give okay. spoilers to so properly we'll, talk about it. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it yet. We'll, we'll tell you at what point we're giving spoilers, but okay. you should go watch the, 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 one of the things that better watch out got famous for is it's just genuinely a movie that the less, you know, the more fun it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yes. So I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to hold off on spoilers until as late as possible okay. in the game here. Okay. But um, there's a there's a major twist that happens in Better Watch Out, and it's about mm-hmm. 35 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. In Zach's script, it was actually 60 minutes into the movie. Okay. Um, so it was an hour of what happens in the front half, mm-hmm. um, and then afterwards, it kind of became this. Um, I don't know how else to put it. Like it became a torture porn after that. Right. And right. I was like, oh man, I just did undocumented, which wasn't a torture porn, but it did involve torture. And I know, I know that's tough on a lot of audiences. So I kind of told yeah, yeah. my friend Brian, like, listen, this has like a million dollar twist. It's such a cool idea, but like, this is, I don't know. And I just started rambling. I was like, man, what if you, what if you like switch this over and, you know, I, I know Zach um, is is like a very dope guy, but like the the the, the last you know third of the movie, as it was, like you know the babysitter in it was it was kind of a little bit misogynistic. Like she was just begging and crying and snot coming yeah. out of nose. Right. And uh-huh. I was kind of like, I'm in the mood for a feminist version of this. Like I was like, gotcha. is there yeah. is there a way where actually you can have someone in her and again, I don't want to say what's happening to her in the second half, but like right. she's she's not in a position of power. And yet I was like, is there a way to still make her have a position of power where she is always toe to toe with the villain? She never begs. She never cries. She never subjugates right. herself. 
um, she's always either like eye to eye with him or even one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, right. and then I, and then I started riffing and I was like, what if we introduce this best friend character and, and, and make it, you know, like a little more of a, uh, a complicated situation than, than it is original. And I just started riffing in the moment and they were like, if we get the rights to the script, can you rewrite it exactly as you pitched it? So nice. Okay. <laughs> I did. And I had this really long, deep conversation with Zach where I was like, listen, your movie is like undocumented. It is, it, it, it works as it is, but I, I don't have it in me to go through another experience of, of doing something really brutal and, and audiences not responding to it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like asked for his blessing. And Zach, again, is such a cool guy. He, he got what it was. And um, he's just so generous. Like he, he, he really said, okay, you know, like if it's okay for me to like, you know, check in on, on, on as you're going, like, and, and as long as I feel comfortable with it, like, yeah, man, if, if, if you think you think you can get the movie made, like make it, make it yours and how, how you want to. So mm-hmm. what I, what I brought to the table was I, I kind of kept all the characterization that he had. And of course the really good twist and he, he had a really good ear for like teenager dialogue. So mm-hmm. I just, I just kind of ran with that and added you know, like better watch out is way more my sense of humor, which by the way, it's funny. I, 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 it's, it's been having its, it's Christmas resurgence recently. And I, you know, there's still people who are like, Oh my God, this movie's horrifying and not funny at all. So I still get that I have gallows humor, but like, <laughs> if you watch it with an audience, people are laughing. Cause it's, it's, yeah, of course it's, it's to me, it's very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I brought a lot of the humor. Um, I, I kind of brought the the Home Alone stuff to it because mm-hmm. there's, you know, and again, I don't want to talk about, well, I guess we'll get into spoilers. All right, maybe we should get into spoilers. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, if anyone didn't see it, then they should go rent Shutter for a month and watch it just, and then come back and listen. Don't even watch Pause the trailer. And go just, watch. Yes, just, don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do yourself a favor. Yeah, it just just watch it blindly, blindly and yeah. It's it's great. You'll you'll be happy for it. It's got two the, the both kids from the visit from M Night Shyamalan. Yes. Visit. Yeah. Um, we we just covered that on the show great. recently. Yeah, well, we did. We covered a visit. Yeah, the cast is ensemble cast, amazing cast. Thank you. I I lucked yeah. out. We sh- we shot this movie in, in Australia, and um, so in Australia, for every American actor that you bring in, like every other actor gets paid more, so it gets like increasingly more, increasingly more expensive right, to bring right. in. American. So um, Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen were the only Americans in the film. Mm-hmm. All the teenagers were Australian. So yes, yes. Um, I, I really lucked out between Olivia, uh, Levi Miller, Ed Oxenbold, and also Dacre Montgomery. I feel like I got the four best Australian teenage yeah. actors all in the same film. It was, so yeah. ab- it was absolutely because. Yeah, because they're going places. If like it, you know, they're they're already been in some major major stuff, and uh, wow, you know, yeah. like I said, ensemble casting. Like I said, it's it's just gonna enhance, you know, going forward. Like I said, Christmas resurgence. You'd be like, oh my god, they they were in this movie too. So yeah, right. Yeah, and I, so, I like that uh, that Garrett didn't rap in this movie like he did in the visit. <laughs> I liked him rapping. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. It, it's it's good for what it is, but it's you know it's it's definitely kind of a cringy thing in the visit. Yeah. So it's funny. It's I like, asked oh him god, it's so bad. 
I asked him <laughs> freestyling. He was like, nope, that was word for word what M. Night wrote. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, oh, nice. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. M. Night. Um, so, okay, so I'm going to give away the subtext, which sucks. Okay, seriously, this is only meant for people who've seen the movie. Yes. Because if you hear what the subtext is, then it just ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of ruins everything, but not in a good way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as soon as I got onto the John Hughes, oh my God, like, what if, what if we kind of like take a look at some of the Home Alone scenes and and kind of like revisit them in modern day? Mm-hmm. Um, I started thinking about John Hughes in general and how you know, like, he was one definitely an influence because you know all of his films in the 80s i remember um i was a little too young for it i was like seven or eight but i remember hearing from people who were a decade older being like that captured what it was like being a teenager so one of my big goals for better watch out was i i didn't want this to feel like kids acting in a movie it was like so important to me that teenagers be able to watch this movie and be like that's us um so i i really um relied pretty strongly on Levi and Ed and Olivia to, to kind of like hold, hold me to the gun. And, and I was like, let me know if any of this dialogue doesn't speak real. And all right, of them right. were like, no, this dialogue is exactly how we talk. And then I felt, realized that probably I will just always write teenagers in my movies because I am a giant child. Um, <laughs> there, you go. there you go. So the, the influence that, I got was both this love for John Hughes movies, but also like, and this is going to be the the conversation that I wanted to start, which is when you rewatch a lot of John Hughes movies and a lot of their setups, there's some like kind of creepy, awful, like not no longer accepted things happening in there. Oh yeah, oh, you know. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to take a very John Hughesian premise, like. Oh, a 12 year old's in love with his babysitter and he's trying mm-hmm. to like, he wants to win her over and maybe get a kiss from her. And that feels very John Hughes. But then when you think about it, it's like, what kid would actually follow through with that? That's, that, yeah. that's like some weird, like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a middle-class white boy, like, like, ah, oh, what's the word for it? It's entitlement. And then I yes, started yeah. about yeah. like, toxic masculinity and by the way toxic masculinity when i was writing this like that that had not become a buzzword yet but it was something that kind of had always felt you know like it was one of the weird weird things yeah, of yeah. john was the guys were you know like felt like they could just plant their lips on someone so <laughs> right. i, I right. would take this john hughes premise where in the first act you know i don't know if you guys saw this at a festival but when when luke finally goes in for the kiss the audience like applause. They're laughing and they're like, "Yeah," because like I, I was like that when I was twelve. I right. wanted everyone to be on board with that, and then <laughs> it happens to be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I was cheering that on." Right. <laughs> That's um, great. I like it. So that that was the big. But again, like we never, the movie never talks about it. It's really kind of playing below the surface because it's just this crazy surreal situation that builds but that was kind of the that was what was going on underneath mm-hmm. and if you rewatch the film every guy in the film is trying even the dad um is yes kind of like trying to possess ashley in some weird way like oh, her yeah. boyfriend is her ex-boyfriend is obviously 
um, you know, Lucas, and then even like Garrett at one point is like, you know, like, why can't I make out with her? Right. Um, even when he's saving her at the end, he like feels the need to kiss her on the cheek, yeah. you know, like the, the, you know, the prince, like saving the princess, like, Oh, oh yeah. The, yeah. Uh, something For about sure. Mary, uh, uh, the, you know, that movie, something yeah. where everybody's just o- overly obsessed and they always, yeah. It's, and they try it's, to get her. it's something about Mary, the horror movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of the subtext of the movie. Uh, of course, yeah. now you know, again, we're, I hope your audience, your 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 listeners, aren't bored from all this like no, political no, subtext talk. But like, oh, oh no, you know, yeah, that I then hid under as much fun and horror and plot twists and stuff as possible. But that's that's yeah. always where it comes from. Is is hey, let's let's talk about something uncomfortable, but yeah. let's let and I, I'm gonna sugarcoat it like hell. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Did did um, so obviously the twist that you said was in the other plot, there the other script that you had rewritten was this thing about where the babysitter thinks that she's being home invaded, but it's actually that the kid had set this thing up to be kind of a fake, uh, a break in simulation like or something, to right? Be the so, hero, right? Right. Yeah. So that he can. Uh, Get her all excited and, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> raise her serotonin levels. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And then that um, you got me though. I tell you what, because I I watched this blind. I went in blind. I didn't watch the trailer or anything. Paul's like, watch this movie. I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. Right. Um, and uh, I'm sitting there going, okay, yeah, home invasion, cool. And then this is what happened. And and then punch in the face. I'm like, whoa, what happened? Mm-hmm. And then. And then, yeah, and then the the real dark, like you had some real dark, you know, undertones of this movie too, going on with you know the killings of of certain people, and it's like I don't know, I I was like questioning as I was watching, are we gonna go there? Are we going there? Oh shit, yeah, we're going there, you know, right? Yeah, um, and it worked. It it hit like you said, it was it was funny, but but uncomfortably funny at, at times. And then it was when it got dark. It was like, oh shit, you know that 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 sucked in in a way. Like, put yourself in that kid's shoes or their parents' shoes. you you know, or what happens. Like, it's, I'm I'm I am trying to beat around the bush because yes, we are spoiling it, but I don't want to go detailed spoiling it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. trying to enhance it a little bit. But um, sure, yeah, man. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I laughed my ass off in the first thirty minutes of the film, and as you know, even you know, incrementally, you know, on a few scenes past it, it was funny as hell. Like some of the dialogue and yeah, <laughs> especially in the dialogue, you know, and, and, uh, when the dad has the ornaments, you know, you know, has the wizard of us <laughs> suck a dick for these ornaments or something or so. It's like, yeah. I'm telling Not you, even college one time. I have a story about that scene. Okay. okay. It was completely improvised. Um, Patrick, was so excited to bring his collection of Christmas ornaments to Australia <laughs> to use in the scene. Yeah. And he shows them to me and he has like his, I couldn't sh- show a lot of these ornaments because of um, copyright issues, but like right. okay. he has this Marilyn Monroe Christmas ornament and a, uh, a meet me in St. Louis, like Judy Garland mm-hmm. Christmas ornament and a, a wizard of Oz, Glinda, the good witch Christmas ornament. And and yeah. ruby slippers were the one thing I could show. And he has all these gay Christmas ornaments. And just <laughs> all of his friends keep buying him more and more of these really gay. He has a giant. That was his box. That, that giant box full of like, straw. <laughs> That's his. That's awesome. awesome. Amazing. 30 Christmas ornaments. And he was like, I just want to do a scene where 
I love my gay Christmas ornaments, and my wife is like, right. what, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and she removes them from the tree, and I have a conversation with her about it. And <laughs> so I look at Virginia, I'm like, are you okay with this? And she was like, absolutely. Nice. And so we just ran the scene, and they were just improvising, and her line is yeah. like, at one point she's like, are you sure you've never sucked another man's cock? And That's they have such like a comfortable relationship that they can have this conversation. Yeah. 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 The entire crew had to shut their mouths to not yeah. burst laughing. It was well, so I did. I mean, like audible laugh out loud, literally just like, whoa, that came out of left field, man. That's so great. <laughs> and that's like minute like six in the movie or less. Like it's, yeah. It's real soon. We have not established the tone of this movie yet. And then that comes out right. and the audience is like, okay. Noted. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, I also like the, the ex-boyfriend that comes. I can't remember the, his name off the top of my head. Oh, Jeremy. The, yeah. The, the very cocky, arrogant, uh, yeah. wigger type kid. He was, so he, he was, was a, he was played by Baker Montgomery who, um, I think I was his first feature. He, is that right? He went off and was the Red Power Ranger like a month later. Oh, oh no wow. shit. Played the That's Red funny. Power Ranger. Um, and then he got cast in Stranger Things season two as, um, yes. remember, yeah, he's the, the older brother who's driving too fast all the time and yes. trying to. Yes, he's hit, the older protective kids. brother. Yeah, absolutely. The older, older brother to the redheaded sister, like little sister yes. girl. Yes. Okay. And now he's starting. I thought, I thought he looked familiar, man. Yeah, I yeah. thought he looked familiar. That's him. That's he's about him. to start yeah. with Russell Crowe. Like he, um, we only had two days to shoot his stuff, and Dacre um, was actually friends with Olivia, who plays the babysitter. And she, I was, I was kind of, you know, look, looking at people to play this role, and she was like, "I think I can get Dacre to do this." Um, is you know, like you don't. She was like, "Just trust me. You won't even have to audition him." So I didn't audition Dacre. Nice. I just looked at his like his headshot was hilariously like, yeah. you know, he he played you know his his headshot was wonderful and that he kind of I, 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 like of one of them one of them was kind of like this look and like oh man I just want to punch that face. Um, <laughs> that was great. He I so when when I met with him um, and we were talking on the phone we probably talked about his his two days worth of shooting. We probably talked about his character for like eight hours. Okay. This guy yeah. does his homework. He would ask me everything about his character. What, um, what does he do uh, outside of school? What, what are his favorite classes? Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me about his parents. Tell me about his, his, you know, his parents' income. And we just built a bit. What does he wear? He was like asking me for images way before I was ready. Like I'd even started working with my costume designer. So I just started sending him stuff and like eight hours later he was like okay i have it and if you meet dacre normally he is this very proper australian like lad like he mm -hmm. he he's very okay. polite and very well spoken and mm -hmm. you know um, at least when i'd met him he was like parting his hair off to the side mm -hmm. um, right. and then and then he puts on this puffy red jacket and this this money cap right and, and <laughs> Turns into uh, the influence that I gave him, which is uh, what's his name from Magic Mike. Um, oh God, 
Uh, I don't know. I, I actually haven't seen it. I know, uh, um, um, Chatham Tatum. Chatham so remember, Tatum. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know him. Channing Tatum. And then also, uh, what's his name from, uh, he's Bane and Pat, oh, Batman. Oh my God. Why am I? He was in Venom. Tom Hardy. Hardy. Matt oh, Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Like um, Tom Hardy. Yeah. He said Matt Hardy. <laughs> oh, do you remember Isn't that the wrestler? I did. I was looking, I, I was thinking wrestling. Okay. <laughs> remember Tom Hardy's MySpace page? <laughs> no. no, you guys haven't seen this. This is famous. It's no, still, no. no, I gotta look it up. <laughs> it's still up now. Tom Hardy's MySpace page is pictures of him in his early twenties, like duck facing to the camera and like oh, flexing no. for the camera. And he that's awesome. He's got the most wonderfully douchey like profile you've ever seen. And those are the pictures <laughs> that I sent to Dacre. Was, was nice. gotcha. Tom, Tom Hardy on MySpace, and he. He like the proper <laughs> Australian lad went away, and he instantly became this incredible character. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember after two days of working with him, I remember thinking like, Dacre's got Dacre's like Tom Cruise. He's both mm-hmm. got incredible like leading man style of acting and and looks, but he's also you know I don't know about you guys, but like my favorite roles of Tom Cruise's have been his small bit parts. Um, okay. Yeah. Like in in Tropic Thunder and yeah 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 and in yeah. Magnolia and so on, and so and he, he he's he's got this incredible leading man quality, but he's also this insane character actor where he completely becomes a different person. <laughs> um, so I I remember thinking like he's in five or ten years he's gonna become a star. Little I, yeah, I had yeah. no idea it'd be like within six months. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But he's he's great and he. You know the 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 by the time he comes into the movie, it's already like the beginning of Act Three. It's feeling really dark and dismal at that point. You know, yes. like oh yeah, yeah. It's it's the low. What what do they call it in all those screenwriting books? Terrible screenwriting books. Uh, the 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 dark night of the soul. We're in the dark night of the soul, and right. and also the audience is kind of exhausted at this point because they've been mm-hmm. through a lot. So when he shows up. He's so fucking funny. He he yeah. buys the movie twenty five more minutes because he's just yeah, yeah. hilarious and <laughs> so punchable, and and, <laughs> yeah. yet, and yet you kind of right. like him. Right. You, yeah. you you feel for him. He's able to play this punchable but likable guy. Yeah, sure, um, sure. And his energy was so high. I really, um, in hindsight, if I hadn't have found someone of his of his caliber. I don't think the ending would have felt as high as it did um, because mm-hmm. he really brought a lot of energy to the, to the last 25 minutes of the movie. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now just came out the right, that appropriate time where, you know, at, um, you know, cause you know, the feeling of, okay, we're, we're watching our, our 13 year old lead character go through all these things and you're kind of rooting for him at the beginning. And on that, at that moment, you're hating him. You want him to stop because of what's these dark things that he's doing. And then when, when, uh, 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 what's his name? The boy. What does he play again? Uh, oh, the character? Jeremy. Jeremy. When Jeremy comes in and he's sitting in the car to, you know, kind of like, how how do I approach my ex girlfriend and shit? That was like such a a uh, tension breaker. I was like, it's oh, such a tension breaker because that. within yeah. sixty seconds you're like, oh, this guy's gonna die. Yes, yes <laughs> absolutely. He's fodder. Yeah, yeah. He's and it's kind of fun and, where yeah. you're like. I don't mind this guy dying. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. just enough of an asshole that it's yeah, like yeah, okay for exactly. him to go. It, it, yeah, it, and the movie, it's, it's like I, it's like the movie was giving you permission to enjoy someone's death. <laughs> there you go. Because up until then, yep. they they yep. kind of weren't as enjoyable. Right. 
No, yeah, no, not yeah, really. There's, no. there's, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think was was that part of the original twist too to make him be so sadistically messed up like this, or was it just that the home invasion was fake? Oh no, the the second, like I said, um, in the original version, it was torture porn. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. So like it goes. Ashley's eyeball is hanging out of her face at one point. Yeah. She has to like melt her hand, which is tied to a to a stove in order to get out. Like again, it was really okay. well written. Zach, <laughs> Zach had a a completely different tone he was going for. Okay. It was well written, but like it, he Luke was always that sadistic. In fact, I kind of held back on that because sure, sure. because you know what he's 12 and yeah. there's it's it's more enjoyable to watch a kid being gleeful it's also scarier to me like yes his, his gleefulness yes is yeah. what's scary not necessarily the things that he's doing right it's it's almost like the moments after what he's done yeah yeah, yeah right because you know, he's well, I was He's yeah. always like excited about with the result of certain things happening, and he's like, "Oh shit, that was amazing!" Yeah, you know, so it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of not something you yeah. celebrate, but I, I guess I get it. So here's, yeah, I, here's how yeah, brilliant yeah. of an actor Levi is. Okay. There's a big scene. It involve. It, it's kind of like, um, uh, again, how do I not spoil but spoil? There's a scene where he's on the second floor of the foyer, and he's just done. A Home Alone reference. I'm not gonna say what it is. Right. Okay. And he he was like, Chris, you don't even have to give me direction. I know I know what it is. I'll tell yeah. you what it is afterwards. So he does his takes. And it's perfect. It's exactly what it is. And afterwards, I'm like, what was the direction? And and he said, Well, I was imagining the direction you were gonna give me was gonna be, um, play a kid who's coming down the stairs on the morning of Christmas, excited right. excited about what's under the tree. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Levi, you're a disturbing genius. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly the feeling where he's like, like, oh boy, what's under the, under, like, what presents are under the tree this morning? Mama. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that, that gruesome fascination <laughs> that he had of, of the aftermath of what he just did. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And kind of just the completely disconnected morning yes. joy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I abs- okay. So I like I have this discussion with Paul a lot when uh, when we review movies, where we watch movies, and you see like a group of, you know, uh, either if it's kids or if it's a group of people, and they're all just sitting there murdering everybody and having a, a blast with it, right? This is what I enjoy the most when you got one person who's just off, just just off the deep end, just out mm-hmm. of control, and that ramp up he did. It would start off innocent, all of a sudden it went to the, the one kill, two kills, whatever. But the people around him, even as like I said, best friend. Again, spoilery, but he was fighting them every time and getting more disgusted and more disgusted. As I like that pull away from what the the two the two kids, um, sure. because like I said I I just don't buy into in reality sometimes I don't buy into like you can get five people to sit there and just murder everybody unless it's like you know a cult kind of thing. But there has to be some sort of reasoning with the other people of that one guy just goes over the edge and there got to be some sort of conflict there and that's mm-hmm. what i appreciated the hell out of this movie because of that there was that conflict that i got out of the characters yeah right it, it's funny um originally garrett was just not part of the story um mm-hmm. and right when i brought in a second at first i was like oh god everyone's just gonna say it's funny games 
Right, um, right, right. But it's not. And and while people do make that reference, it's not out of you stole because actually, funny games. Those two kids are basically like a two-headed monster. They're the same right. character. Yeah. Um. And by the way, I love funny games. It really works, but it's dismal. Um, yes. And I, I think I bought myself uh, more roller coasteriness of ups and downs and mm-hmm. and drama and fun and then things go bad but then it actually gets fun again because yeah. Garrett is it you know like Garrett ends up being like kind of the window the emotional window into the film he's he's kind yes. of you know I think the audience actually relates most to him yes. uh, uh, once absolutely. once the second half starts well he knew he knows what's what's going on is wrong and it's like at the same time he's he's has his best friend and his best friends threatening him slash guilting him into staying and doing all these things and it's like man you really sure. feel for it and I at the I got at the moment where like man Levi's character he, he needs to go he needs to go you know um, well yeah and he even yeah. played along in the beginning like the one of the most powerful parts to me is the truth or dare scene yes and yes. then when he he dares her to or he dares um, his friend to do something to the babysitter and then when she does it she's just so hurt that you know mm-hmm. she actually this is the only time you actually see her cry yeah just because it's it's not. Yeah. emotion it's it's you know it's emotional hurt not that he's physically Absolutely. hurting her yeah and it's i'm just like oh god damn it man it's so fucking yeah. brutal <laughs> i know but it's I know. it's not brutal like painful but it's so harsh you know it works yes yeah yes i mean then, if, you, then if you'd then seen he undocumented feel that, first though. you would have you would have known that i i can go there. <laughs> yeah. sure sure that's the right yeah, yeah. I, I i will of always course this is in there <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Right. Well, and I think that's where he, he starts to get the pull away where Garrett is kind of on board with all this, but then he starts to drift away from it. Like, well, wait a minute. This is, yeah. it got this is maybe real, not really so cool. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear another trick that ended up working really well in the film? Yeah, so, definitely. Like I said, the, 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 the big, the big lesson I learned from undocumented is like undocumented structured, like Requiem for a dream where, it just starts going down and down and down and down. There's no roller coaster to it. It's just a, it's, it's like a, a fall into hell. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And right. my, like the new pacing theory I went into was like, you always have to, when things are worse at their worst, you have to then go up. Um, yes. It has to feel like a roller coaster of we, even if it's like, Oh no, we're about to go down another thing. There's always another yeah. climb afterwards. Right. So the trick that, really worked and again like levi and ed were so good at, at getting this dynamic right whenever levi has just done something awful we always fold it up almost immediately with him um becoming a 12 year old in some way uh so for instance like he's just done that moment and then garrett points between his legs and he's like oh my god do you have a you know, and then oh, right, right. he's laughing yeah. at his friend. His friend like turns away from Ashley, starts shoving him, being like, "Shut up!" Yeah, and right, right. There's a moment where like Luke is holding a gun to like uh, to Ricky's eye, so the boyfriend's like it's in his eye socket. We were actually holding this this gun barrel in his uh, left eye socket, and he's right. like, "Say it again, like whatever you said, say it again to me." And right. uh, Ricky goes like, I said I have to pee, and he just starts pissing himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to buy himself some time of some sort, but Luke immediately goes, 
Ew, stop it! And he like goes <laughs> like rubber gloves. His kids yep, yep. gloves. Yes. And starts like spraying the ground. So yep. yeah. The the for all the worst moments, <laughs> it was always really important to remind the audience. Yeah, but he's twelve still. Right, so, right. So weirdly, it also bought the movie a lot of build because really, if you think about it, the once once the moment at the top of the stairs happens where where he where Ashley's just figured out what's happening and he knocks her down the stairs, you've been told everything you need to know about him, mm-hmm. and yet because the movie keeps reminding you, you know, the very next scene is is them rolling around the house on a scooter and right. having a kill death or what well, kill fuck Mary uh, yes. argument about right, right. like what was it um, Adventure Time characters? Oh right, right. Because the movie keeps reminding you, nah, he's twelve. You right. don't take what he's doing seriously. Right. Right. And so every time he does something worse, you're like, well, no, but he's just he's, he's not really meaning it. He's he's just getting in a worse situation. And, and and the fact that he's completely like a you know like by the end of the film it's pretty clear this is a a future serial killer who's like discovering himself yeah um, exactly but you don't know exactly. it because it keeps reminding you that he's twelve and it keeps yeah. you know there there's always another roller coaster up where you're like no but he he's just getting in a bad situation and he's reacting poorly but he's not really going to go that far mm-hmm. right. Right. So that was a really fun balance, and again, sure, yeah. Levi knocked it out of the park, man. He he oh, yeah. this just ever slight, um, almost like flamboyance to his character that just makes him yep. weirdly charming and likable. Yeah, just like what he's doing, yeah. which again goes back to uh, my favorite villain of all time is Hannibal Lecter, and the trick is you take your bad guy. And you give him as many likable or safe qualities as possible. Yes. Like he's smart. He's well-spoken. He's funny in his weird own sense. He has his own sense of morality. He's got good artistic taste. You know, Um, he's clever and witty and and warm in ways. And yet he also likes to eat people. (laughs) Oh, by the way. Right. So that's to me a three-dimensional bad guy. Um, and I try to do the same thing with Peter Stormare in, in Undocumented, yeah. but that's that's kind of the structure of it is, right. is you know, and, and weirdly it buys you more time with the audience because they're like, well, they're not going to go that bad. That's right, right. why in, right. in Sons of the Lambs when he does that famous escape scene from the right. jail cell, it's so shocking. And yet you already knew he was capable of that. Yeah. Right. But you just, yeah, just yeah. lulled them to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, before we wrap up, um, I was just curious, what was the the idea behind making it set at Christmas time? Because obviously, you could you could just do this same thing any time of year. Was it mm-hmm. just something that you wanted to do, or did you like uh, kind of that idea of of if you have a Christmas movie that hits, obviously it's something that people will keep going back to on a seasonal basis. It was already a Christmas movie when Zach wrote it. Um, okay. That's actually what inspired, well, Home Invasion, Christmas. Oh, my God. What happens if you meld this with Home Alone elements? Sure. So that's where that came from. And then, okay. you know, like, uh, I, I think I think Christmas is such a lovely time for horror to happen. And it's, it's, why, yes. it's why Christmas horror movies are so popular. It's the worst juxtaposition of tones because Christmas yeah. is supposed to be this yeah. time <laughs> when we're all on our best behavior we're all mm-hmm. supposed to be happy. We're buying right, presents. Right. We're at the table. We're smiling. We're 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 sipping on cocoa. We're by the fire. We're having a good time. <laughs> family, family, family. Um, 
Yeah. And so when things go wrong, it's inherently dramatic. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And plus, you have this really unique, you know, like physical look to a Christmas movie. There's nothing prettier mm-hmm. than blood on snow. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like exactly. the, the, what what better contrast for a horror movie? And all the colorful lights for backdrops and and yeah, you got really cool lights, shots. which which again, uh, that that was fun. You know, a lot of there was definitely some discussion where I, I came to the producers and I was like, I don't want to shoot this like a horror movie. I want to shoot this like a John Hughes film where, where it's like bright colors. And like, they're like, but mm-hmm. it's not gonna be scary. Then I said, yes, it's going to be scary because right. it's a, a really, um, it's, it's a juxtaposition that is going to throw the audience, you know, right. it, it's going to look safe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to kill that kid under the mistletoe. What the exactly. Fuck? Yeah. So when, when, <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. safe, that, that kind of like draws you in and then gives you that added sense of security so does Christmas, yeah, so that yeah. when bad things happen, it 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 kind of feels all the more shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have Levi's greatest uh, ugly Christmas sweater at the end oh, when he was wearing it. <laughs> so good. It's beautiful. We looked forever for that. It's so <laughs> good. <laughs> you can actually buy it. It's in the UK. It's, oh, it's, oh it's, nice. They still sell it online. That's Excellent. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else about this, Marco, you wanted to ask uh, or anything? Um, or? I was gonna ask, but I I kind of want to keep it spoiler. Maybe I'll maybe I'll ask off the air. But no, um, off the air after recording, because again, it, it might be really spoilery. Because we we're try, trying to try tiptoe around I'll, it. I'll 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 try to I'll see if I. Well, can... it, oh. my question was yeah. gonna spoil the whole thing. Oh. Um, <laughs> it had to do with the the very end of the film. So, mm. yeah, yeah. So, um. <laughs> But no, man. I um, again, it's probably more of a statement than anything. Uh, uh, I want to sit there and watch this movie again, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad I got to do it now, and um, it, it is a roller coaster. But the like the dark stuff that happens in the movie um, it really hit me hard, like dark, like like oh shit, you know. Like I was telling Paul, I was like, I think I need therapy after I watched it. But not <laughs> bad, way, like yeah, <laughs> which is a credit to you. You know, it's not not in a like a like a bad way. Like oh my god, that was such a bad movie. I was like, man, the 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 dips in that role were so low and the dark tones and the sure, sure. funny as hell at the high point. So no man, that formula works really well. Um, as as uh, Paul was mentioning, you know, it was like the whole the Christmas thing, and I was I was trying to like as you were talking, I was like, yeah, you know what? Could this work in any other setting? And you said, I know it was originally written in Christmas time, and I'm like, no, I don't think so, because again, with the lighting and the the time of year, and just have that, you know, why the friends are over and the parents are doing something and the sure, great sure. ornament talk, and yeah, it was just man, um, I'm digging it. I'm digging it really good. Um, now like uh, your two movies have have, have uh, Put me out. I think I need pills. I'm on pills now. That's it. <laughs> pills and hot chocolate. So well, no, there you go. There, so I, I was gonna, I was gonna try to not give away too much, but I'm gearing up for the third one right now. And okay. So like, I learned some stuff from Better Watch Out too. I'm gonna say this third yeah. one is actually I'm, I'm slowly finding my my commercial voice. Like, how do I keep? Hmm keep what I like to say and do as a filmmaker, but also like maybe make money one day. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right, right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. this next movie, um, we actually, I, okay, I, I think I can say this. We, st- I, I, <laughs> I got financing, 
Um, I'm, I'm doing this with uh, one of the producers of the Maze Runner movies. Um, okay. Actually, and Wes Ball, who, who directed uh, the Maze Runner movies. Um, and we've teamed up with wow. my financier from Australia, who, who did Better Watch Out. And we actually started casting the film um, about a month and a half ago. And we stopped because uh, it looks like, I can't say who, but um, mm. it looks like a studio has just come on board to produce this as well. So wow. it's no longer an, it's no longer an indie movie. It's now a a studio film. Oh, um, that's cool! Congratulations on that. <laughs> well, knock on wood. I'm I'm being careful because yeah. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm I'm meeting with actually the the president of this studio for like my final round of notes next week. So. This is still in the early stages, and you might be listening to this episode a year from now and being like, uh, I haven't heard anything about this movie. In which case, yeah. I feel. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so hopefully hopefully I can still bring this like dark commentary, which this next movie does have, but I'm going as like theatrical as I possibly can with it. So we'll see, sure. we'll see okay. how it goes. Absolutely. Sure, nice. sure. Well, we won't ask you too much about what that's about since it seems like you want to kind of keep that uh it's my under wraps for now at least it's my first supernatural film i'll say that great okay cool yeah i'm in nice nice uh so yeah i think you know we we definitely talked a lot about better watch out and there's there's so much more that i'm sure that we could just keep going and telling stories about making it and asking and whatever yeah we don't want to take too long on on each thing and let people just kind of watch them and experience them and hear a little bit about what goes on behind uh you um i'm trying to think of the is another thing that i wanted to say too without spoiling anything but maybe right. i'll <laughs> maybe i'll skip my thing too but was there anything i guess my my last thing that i was going to ask about it was just any little like easter eggy type of things besides the the obvious home alone references but stuff that was a little bit more small or whatever that somebody might not pick up that for people who have seen it and are going to rewatch it again for christmas that they can look for stuff you mean like references to other movies yeah little little nods or easter eggs or or uh things of that nature that somebody might not pick up unless you were i know sometimes directors like to sneak stuff in where they reference something or they i'll give you an influence um A lot of people don't realize it until I say it, and then they're like, that's exactly what it was. So at the end of the film, um, things have gone extremely poorly for all the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And then where it feels like the movie should end, there's then this sequence of trying to get away with it. So um, uh, I don't want to say more than that. But (laughs) I I wanted to do a reverse – uh, another John Hughes movie. I want to do a reverse um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off ending. Yeah, yeah. Where I, I could definitely a, see that a character oh, yeah. running around trying to trying to get back into bed, um, <laughs> and yep. and weirdly, you're you should not be rooting for this character, but right. by the end of the sequence, you're kind <laughs> yes. of, you're kind of relieved that he makes it in the bed. Yeah. Yep. And then you're like. Wait, why am I rooting for this person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what exactly? I just for yeah, that. yeah. So it's I, it, yeah. it was this weird like experiment I wanted to try where I was like, can I get audiences to completely flip sides in the course of five minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it totally worked. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So 
it, it was a reminder of like the power of the manip- of manipulative storytelling where right. you can you can get people to side with someone that they don't even want to side with right mm-hmm. with yeah. certain tools um, sure yeah, yeah, yeah it was super fun so that's the, i don't know if that's an easter egg but uh yeah kind of definitely walked out for ferris bueller elements at the end i think Ferris Bueller popped in my mind at the last five minutes of the film. I definitely right. I was like, yeah, this is Ferris Bueller right here uh, or influence right. of it. You know, it's like, yep, yep, this is cool. I, I swear in my head when he climbs under the covers and, and his head hits the pillow, I hear. Chika-chika. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully when he puts his head down, you're like, oh, thank God he made it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh my God, is he going to, I know it, it it's, funny because I, I didn't even really recognize that was happening to me, but you get this weird reverse tension Absolutely, where the whole time especially. you're like, yeah. you're like die, 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 die. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, no, don't get caught. Don't get yeah. caught. It's like, Oh, the parents didn't catch him. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then of funny. course there's then another reversal where you're like, Oh wait, no, I'm glad he's getting caught. Yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Again, yeah. emotional roller coaster here, man. It was, mm-hmm. it was great. It was, it, it was a fun movie to experiment with siding, like emotional siding and yeah. how how twists can affect who, sure, sure. who you're watching the movie through. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to use all that. My, my next film relies really heavily on who you're watching the scene through. Sure. Um, like a lot. It's going to be very hard to pull off. So this was a great like like um, gymnasium ground to, to find my tools for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, it's cool. And it's something that I know, you know, I, I found it last year at Christmas time and I watched it again this year and we're going to actually do a, a proper review episode of it in about mm-hmm. a week with a friend of ours. And uh, something that I, I will revisit on Christmas time every year too. So that makes it yes. a little extra special. Yep. That's, that's music to my ears. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, man. For sure. Well, before we wrap up, um, there was something we kind of talked about in the beginning, and I wanted to make sure that we at least got in a little bit of time to talk about it before we run out of time mm-hmm. with you. And I'm I'm not really a great subtle storyteller, so I'll just have to kind of ham fist my way into this. <laughs> just 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 blurt it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a, well, we had talked a little bit about how that you know online and and whatever that you're that you're openly gay, but that it never really is like a, th- a thing in your movies i guess mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know a better way to say that you know it's not really like you know oh made by a, a, the the gay horror film director alliance or something or <laughs> you, you're not right. trying to like necessarily start a movement or anything over it um is that anything that you know you feel you want to like represent people properly or or that you don't want to be too overt about it or so i think I am I am just finally getting to a point where I think I'm going to tell a story like a from a perspective of you know like gay representation. I, I think I've sure, been holding sure. out because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to say yet. Okay. Um, because uh, it's like you know I I grew up and it felt like every movie I ever saw with the again with the exception of American Beauty, every movie I saw that was had gay characters, whatever, they were all just really sad, bittersweet, melancholy, like, oh, isn't isn't the life of a gay person torture? And sure, um, sure. Mm-hmm. I 
I really don't like that because that, that feels like the point one or like the the one point oh. It's kind of like you know, mm. like all all the slavery movies for black people. Like it's important that we see that, right? But also, like, what's the two point oh? Like, when when do we just get to see you know, like black characters who are not in the movie because they're black, but just because they are their own character. So I right, I, right, you know, right. And just recently, we've been getting that. We've been getting you know, like characters that were gay not because we want to show how tortured a, a life they have, but just because they are. And mm-hmm. and right. so now now that we're finally hitting the 2.0, like now my mind's been going. Um, mm-hmm. and it's been racing. And I was actually just at lunch today talking with my manager, and I was like, I think I think I'm ready to try to pull a get out for for the topic of oh, get. No shit. I think a lot of people are <laughs> trying to do that and like I can't tell you how many people I know are writing a script right now that is a gay like conversion therapy or conversion therapy camps or something something like that. Sure, and, sure. And they're trying to attack it from that angle and I think it's the wrong angle because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's too um well I don't want to disparage it. Maybe they'll work. Yeah, my, well, it, my, it goes my, into that my, undocumented territory, right? It goes into the, so yeah, undocumented. One of the fails of it is it's playing everything on the text when it needs to be playing in the subtext. Okay. Um, and get out as much as it seems like it's playing on the text, it's actually not. Um, right, it's very subtextual. So, right. uh, and, and also like notice, get out didn't happen in like the deep south. You know, we're you know like it actually took place in the northeast, like the mm-hmm. northeast. Like, place to expect this to happen with you know like the parents are like yeah we voted for obama like it <laughs> right right it, yes it was, it was not typical i think that's one of the reasons why it succeeded is it, it wasn't playing for the preaching of it it was actually saying well no these these characters are trustworthy and yet you know something is wrong but in what mm-hmm. way is it wrong it's kind of yeah it still feels like discovery so Right, um, right. If if there's a version of this for being gay, it can't just be rednecks trying to get the gays, and we're trying to you know, <laughs> yes, like, yeah. clean, clean yeah. our community and so on. So yes, um, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm uh, I'm just now beginning to have some ideas about how to do it right, um, and I just okay. hope that okay. I'm the first one because I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's cool, and I think there's a lot of representation in all not just horror, but all media, movies, TV, you know, everywhere we see it. I mean, the, the Walking Dead, there's openly gay characters and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously they don't have the best life in that movie, in that show. So <laughs> I, I, do, I do have a lot of closeted characters in my movies. Okay. For instance, um, Garrett, I never, okay. we never say it in the movie. There's no, I never hint at it, but there's a reason why he, it takes him so long to finally start acting against his friend okay got it yeah i got it yep nice yeah. okay so it's I, I i do little personal easter eggs like that for myself because sure you know, sure you know a lot of people garrett's age they're not out yet so i wanted okay. i wanted to feel real about that yeah, yeah and i think um like i'm um, for me i'm i'm kind of curious what this like you said with the 2.0 of of just all kinds of stereotype or, or stereotypes mm-hmm. but um uh, lifestyles or or race or whatever that you know we've seen we've seen the stereotypical 1.0 for all our lives i'm i'm personally curious to see that next level that transition mm-hmm. like um 
you know, when do we like I've said I've said this before, like when do we just start saying Tom is Tom, not Tom. Here's mm-hmm. the black guy, Tom, that lives with his exactly. mom. You know what I mean? Like there, there has to be some sort of day where we stop being assholes and go, look, <laughs> we, you know, let's let's do this for story's sake, for for story writing, for storytelling. Um, let's let's treat humans like humans and not sure, sure. numbers and, you know, color and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm um, <clears throat> Sure. And it's funny, there's the 2.0 and the 3.0. The 2.0 is let's just not talk about how, like, all the suffering of minorities because that, that's the 1.0. And again, it's important that people see that we, we yeah. have to go through the 1.0 first. Absolutely. Yes. So then, then the Absolutely. 2.0 is just let them be there for the sake of being there. But now that mm-hmm. I've spoken with a lot of people, I think there's actually a 3.0, which is no, you don't, you don't like whitewash them either. You actually do right. say this character is black. Yeah. And. It, it, it's okay. this isn't a story about his suffering or her suffering, but it's also not a story about how they're just exactly like a white person. It's actually right. the 3.0 is, is let let it just be honest and say, you know, his or her experience is a little different. Here's yes, how it rubs this way and that way. And right. it's kind of the most humanizing version. So that's mm-hmm. actually I, I, I want to skip to the 3.0 actually is, is what I'm trying to do with this. Nice. Yeah. This gig. Get yeah. Out, so. Nice. Right, That's right. Cool, uh, yeah, you got to be careful of, of just having that that token, that token character. Exactly. Like, and I think that's why I've been afraid of putting a gay character in there. Is I haven't come up with a story yet where it felt honest. It, you know, right. I could have just had like, here's the gay character, and they're just gay, and, and no one ever talks about it, but they're just gay. You know, and I just, also didn't right, right. To be, right, you got to exactly. So. Uh, yeah, because today's society, they'll still call you out on it. <laughs> they'll still mm-hmm. be like, oh, hey, you know, you put it in there because you had to have it in there. It's like, exactly. Sure, you know. sure. Yeah. So, no, well, that's, I think that's cool that you are, are treating it preciously. I mean, obviously, it's, it's important to you because it's, it's you, you know? So, mm-hmm. everyone wants to respect the things that are precious to them and, yeah. and do yeah. it the right way, I think. Like I said, I'm curious to see what that is. And, you know, yeah. Well, as you guys have seen, um, I, I do age wonderfully with, with age, so hopefully I, I, wait, <laughs> I, I wait a little bit longer before I, I get onto a topic as, as important cool. to me as how to represent a, a gay right. person or any minority in an honest way that feels mm-hmm. both entertaining, educational, but also just emotive. Sure, sure. Right, right. Perfect. Uh... Cool. Well, I think, you know, that was good. I just wanted to make sure that we spent some time on that because we talked about it before and then we just kind of got into the movies, which is bound to happen when you're on a horror movie <laughs> show. So that's right. want to happen. Um, but before we wrap up and, and kind of just let you plug everything, I was just curious if you were in a, a tournament-style death match with a bunch of other horror directors, do you think that you would be able to beat most of them? Because you're a pretty big guy, so. Oh, you mean like I, I don't have to I don't have to beat them with my filmmaking prowess? No, no, yeah, just just actually like an actual death match. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm a, I'm a gentle giant. I'm a very <laughs> I'm a very sweet person. I would I would never punch anybody. Um, yeah. I would probably hold their forehead away so they wouldn't punch me. Right, right, right. right. Or but Let them wear out exactly, and then kind of like. Crack or just ba- or just bear hug them until they calm down. Exactly, yeah. like you're safe now. You're safe. Now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah. No, I. <laughs> just like 
rub their face like voraciously yeah. against my like bare belly until they just calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> just shock them into submission. Yeah. That's Stop. Good answer. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So yeah. what do you, uh, we done. Do, yeah. Are you, uh, are you into power lifting or just regular weightlifting or, you know, um, I, I, I do lift heavy. Um, I think part of it's genetics. Part of it is, uh, mm-hmm. the constant fear of not being treated seriously on set. Yes. <laughs> while I, while I did have a, a great experience with undocumented, I did have like a, an older skewing crew on better watch out. And you know, like there was the occasional pushback, like who the hell are you? Yeah. So, a little descent. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and also I was also worried like, Oh my God, what if the teenagers don't respect me? So I, I kind of like beefed up a little bit so I could, I could just <laughs> physically intimidating nice. person. Of course, little would I know that, uh, all the teenagers would be like easy as pie to work with. And so, yeah. so nice, but mm. I, you know, it's just my, uh, I, I I take out my frustrations of not being on set uh, in the gym. Nice, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of an exercise nut myself, so that's why I was noticing. Yeah, you'll you'll you so. notice whenever I take a movie, I'm always at my skinniest. So sure, yeah. <laughs> and then then you actually have time to work out when you're not. Right. When you're it, not make, in the middle of making it right. It's a win-win. Either I get to go to the gym and, and beef up or I get to be making a movie and, and they're, yeah. they're, they're both good. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, this, uh, this has been great. I, I love hearing all the extra stories and just kind of the fun yeah. stuff that goes on behind the scenes and <laughs> learning a little bit more about what the ideas for some of these things are. So mm-hmm. I am, I'm so glad that we, uh, we got to talk. This was fun. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, again, like again, th- yeah, thanks for coming on and uh, just to know what Paul just said, and also like to hear your perspective of your how you came up. It is very unique to you, you know. Um, it's one of those things where like, wow, I'm learning something. Like uh, this guy's story doesn't sound like the last ones or last three because you know you mm-hmm. like you said you approached it differently. So uh, there's not a set formula, which I love. I love that. I love that uh, that at this day and age, a creative outlet doesn't have to be cookie cutter. You know, what I mean? you can, yes, you can yeah. kind of like shape it the way you want to uh, it, to a to a degree. You still got to, you know, be good at what you do. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's always it a calculated was, risk. It's a calculated yeah, risk. Absolutely. Am I actually going to be good or not? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. always a degree of insanity to sure, sure, to, sure, sure. Oh, image. yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, well, before we go, I guess if you want to plug anything or let everyone know where to find you and your your projects and and keep up with what you have going on you know i i think my favorite place to talk to to fans and and just geek out about horror movies with people is twitter mm-hmm. um so i'm my handle's pretty easy it's just my last name Peckover. um yes so yeah come find me and say hi i i love i love talking about horror you can tell me that my movies suck i don't care uh, <laughs> and also, so we, yeah. we, we were going to talk about uh, a movie that you guys hadn't seen yet, and you said bring it up at the end because yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. You, you were talking about kind of like wanting to bring on more female horror directors. Yes, and yeah. she doesn't know me, so if she hears this and is creeped out by it, I'm so sorry, but I love your movie so much. 
Um, the director that everyone listening needs to get on the train with is Lee Janiac. Mm-hmm. And she directed a horror movie four years ago called uh, Honeymoon. And okay. it's low budget. It takes place in a house in the woods. But just most of the movie is just a husband, or like a newly wedded husband and wife. And it is creepy and stylistically wonderful and really well acted. And this, this uh, director is going to go places hugely. Nice. So. Very cool. Very, yeah, very definitely. Cool. I'm gonna check that out. Yes, me too. And hopefully, then we can uh, maybe reach out and find her and and talk to her. Yeah, but love uh, to. unless she's in the middle of making a movie, and then we'll have to wait. <laughs> knowing knowing how she how good she is, I'm positive <laughs> she is in the throes of sure, development sure. on a lot of things. But I bet you, yeah, I bet you she'd love to talk. Yeah, well, and we're just fans of some people to to follow, anyways. Like we had mentioned, I, I can't remember the woman's name, but the head made raw. You know, we're just like waiting to see what she makes next. Oh, her yeah. name's her name's Julia Ducournau. Yeah, and I mean that. I have a great movie. I have such a man crush on her. She's her brain <laughs> is yes. awesome. I've seen Raw one of my five my times. Favorite movies. Uh, oh, one of my it, it's. I was telling Paul, like, yeah. you know, we do our we do a top ten list of all time favorite films and, and I always tell him it's like, look, it's a live and breathing list. I could take movies on, I could put add movies on off or stuff like that, because it's just that's how it goes. And Raw, uh, from the day one I saw it was it jumped to my top ten. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yep. It, it yeah. talk about a movie that works on every single level it's playing on. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. liked it so much we covered it twice on the show. Nice. Yeah, we did. <laughs> We were like, oh, we didn't leave enough time to talk about this. We're going to do a whole episode about it later, and then we yeah. actually did. So that's awesome. Uh, that was that was fun. Yeah, that was our our uh, Pride Month episode too, actually. Yes. So yeah, that one's a good one. But also, we love your movies too, and we're glad that we Absolutely. got to learn more about them. And I look forward to. I will definitely be watching this movie at least one or two more times, probably this month. So of course, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much, man. Yeah, and uh, anyone listening knows where to find our show, but if this is your first time here, just uh, Google for Who Will Survive Horror Podcast. We're on all of your listening platforms and on the Legion Podcast Network and the Raw Live and Unedited Podcast Network. I think that's going to do it. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a good day, night, or any time that you are listening. Every morning, every evening, ain't we got fun? Not much money, oh, but honey, ain't we got fun? The rent's unpaid, dear, we haven't a car. But anyway, dear, we'll stay as we are, even if we Oh, the grocer, though we have fun Tax collectors getting closer Still we have fun There's nothing surer The rich get rich and the poor get poorer In the meantime, in between time Ain't we got fun Don't we have fun? Still we have fun. 
Oh, the grocer, don't we have fun? Tax collectors getting closer. Mmm, what fun. There's nothing surer 